Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the sage himself, the Jewish sage, uh, Mr. Steve Herzig. Hello, Steve. How are you? Hello, Mr. Chris. I'm doing good. Today is a special day. It really, we're leading up to Thanksgiving. We've got Thanksgiving this Thursday. It's going to be a great Are you ready? Ah, forget about Thanksgiving. <laughs> Today, this day as we are speaking, this day is important to none other than you. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, today is my wife and, and, and our anniversary. Today's an anniversary day. Hold on a minute. Here we go. Welcome in. Welcome in. Well, my wife works here at Friends of Israel. She's the director of marketing. Um, my joke is that I've been ministering with Friends of Israel since, associated with Friends of Israel since 2001, and I have been st- Steadily, slowly climbing the ladder at Friends of Israel. Oh, you're you're a big macher. Well, no, but twenty plus, you know, twenty years of being connected. My wife, she comes in, boom, she's a director. <laughs> Two years ago, boom, walks right in, director, higher position than me. So I love it though. She is awesome. She's the marketing director. She, I don't know if she will. I know you've invited. I her. I did invite her to come, and no she promises. Told me you gave her flowers, a of picture. Uh, montage of I don't know what but the kiddos, the kiddos, of kiddos, us and, and the kiddos. That's right. So, uh, boy, uh, let's see. So, what year were you married? Well, uh, two thousand eight, and you were there. I was there because you officiated the wedding. I did officiate the wedding, and that was pretty fun. And your wife remembers, and you do too. I I remembered her <laughs> I'm name. So glad. I I didn't remember your name as right in the middle. I where's that? I had brain lock, br- uh, brain freeze. Yeah, you, you, well, the, the thing that I'm actually really glad that you were, of all the people's names to forget, you can forget my name. You can't forget the bride's name on, but see, here's the thing that's funny for our listeners that maybe to, they don't know about how long we've known each other. A long time. A long time. I, I mean, when I was a kid, when I was 18, 17, 16, I'd be, yeah, 16, maybe even 15, mm-hmm. I'd be going over the Herzig house. Uh, and hanging out. And so Steve has known me for, he's seen me go through high school, college, all of it. And so moved down to Dallas. I've been ministering with him for a long time. So we're there we are at our wedding. It's 2008. I've known this this guy forever. And he's standing up there and he's saying, well, uh, and you freeze. You kind of go, uh, 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 and you couldn't remember my name. And it was funny. Oh, wait a minute. Here she here is. Here she comes. Here She's she come. comes. Welcome in. We're just in. in the middle of telling the story. Put put those earphones on. Right, sit in that chair right there, Karen. Here is the director of marketing, everybody. The one who has the power. The powers that be. All right, so, Karen, you're just going to take that. Make sure you don't spill your coffee there. Good. Put those on. And then you pull that microphone close to you. We were and just boom. talking about you and how I forgot Chris's name and... Uh, how he gave you flowers. You can pull that, make it comfortable for yourself. So just take that and pull it up to you. You got to get it nice. And, there you go. Very comfortable. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't fall asleep. Hi. Happy anniversary. Same to you. Yeah. <laughs> so we were just talking about during the uh, wedding that Steve uh, forgot my name. Oh, I remember it. Yeah. He, just 2008. Uh, we were joking about how long we've known each him and I knew each other, and I, I was more thankful, though, that he remembered your name 
You know, yeah. you don't want to forget the bride's name. Yeah, no, no, you don't want to do that. I did not do that, but I did have brain lock. I've had brain lock many times. I probably have had brain lock since we've done this podcast. <laughs> brain lock. I like that. <laughs> yeah. It goes, what's that? What's that? Uh, what's that phrase that you use when the computer uh, bloops? Oh, your brain blooped yeah, out. That's right. I had a bloop out. I had a bloop out. So how's it going on your anniversary so far? It's great. Uh, my husband, who is you. Mm-hmm. Um, left me flowers on my desk. She sounds so excited, Chris. <laughs> I mean, she she really well, into all, this. I will say this all morning long. He's been like, it's you know, he he was kind of acting like it was my birthday, and I said it's not my birthday. We shared this day. This is a day to be celebrated. That's right by both of us. Um, but I always feel kind of bad, right? Because I you you do the flowers. You'll take maybe take me to dinner tonight. Mm-hmm. I feel bad. Hint, hint. <clears throat> That's right. If you don't what, mind. If you don't mind. <laughs> well, it, it, here's a good question, Karen. Is anniversary more important to the wife or to the husband? Uh, the celebration. Mm. Is it more important that for from a wife's point of view to make sure it's remembered and celebrated? Mm-hmm. Or is it more important for the husband or is it equal? I would hope it's equal. I, I don't think that I necessarily represent wives of uh of all ilk of all (laughs) like i'm not uh um we have such a busy full life my husband serves me every single day oh man here we go that's right it's not that i am desperate for a day where he remembers me or celebrates the day we got married my husband remembers me every single day he serves me Every single day. Wow, so for me, very great testimony. It's the truth. It is the absolute truth. Every day I go, I could not be me if he wasn't who he is. He fully supports who I am. We have a crazy life. We have four children. Mm-hmm. We both work full time. We both try to invest in our children. There is no free time. And this man wakes up a little early because, and I hate giving this away, he makes the lunches. <laughs> I I love making the lunches. I know, but I always think that is a slight on me as the wife because the moms are normally making the lunches, but you make the lunches. Mm -hmm. And and that serves me. And he drops the kids off every single day. What a guy. I I don't wait for our anniversary to know if my husband loves me or not. I do think that's why a lot of women like their anniversaries because their husbands have to kind of focus on them for a moment ah good point that's not the case in our home so well we're we're still doing dinner tonight probably so it's gonna be well we both still love each other and want to and celebrate the day we were married Mm -hmm. but i don't i love our our marriage every day i i don't and i that's every day is an anniversary i mean (laughs) we're very aware that we're married we're in it together every day with you girl is sweeter than the day before that's right Uh every day i love you more (laughs) that's That's it that's a song right oh man did you just make that up or is that a song i don't even know that song now i'm wondering why we didn't ask you to sing it (laughs) (laughs) that was beautiful We, we just lost our six That's right. Well, speaking of, hey, Karen, we want you to stick around for as long as you want. We want your input on all of that. We're going to be talking. We're talking about Thanksgiving today, everybody. Before we get to Thanksgiving, though, Steve, we've had some competition lately for the uh, 
uh, our fan, number our, one, our number fans. one fan. In fact, they, some of them don't even want to be number one, but they want to be within the top seven. That's right. Okay. Because um, recently, our friend Pastor Neil Tomba called us and said, "I want to be the seventh because we always say we have six listeners. Three of them complain, the other three like us." <laughs> yep. Okay. So uh, the seventh. Uh, we've gotten Neil Tomba. Hello, Neil, out there, if you're listening. Um, uh, he's he says he wants to be our seventh fan, but he's already in competition now because we have a good friend also in Toronto, Canada, Paul Lamont, Captain Paul, Captain Paul. Uh, he writes to us and tells us that uh, he's our number one fan. No, he says the seventh biggest fan. Okay. Which I don't know if he's just working the biblical angle there or whatever. Paul, maybe you are, but he oh, says... Oh, that's right. The number of perfection in the Bible doesn't... <laughs> I, don't, I don't have the letter in front of me. You've got it. So as I, I'm recalling what he said. Well, here it is. He says... Uh, he, wrote, he wrote an email and said, uh, the seventh biggest fan, Stephen Chris, I believe that I am the seventh greatest fan of the Jew and Gentile podcast. There are others that think they are ahead, so I will let them believe it. <laughs> ah, there we go. <laughs> Personally, I think it's uh, bupkis. Secondly, that means he's listening. He Bupkis. is listening. Um, uh, secondly, seven is the number of perfection. You bring the uh, broadcast to the perfect combination of entertainment and teaching. I, ha- I have learned so much, so many new things and different ways of looking or at interpreting passages and concepts. Your banter reminds me of the Jewish deli down the street from my house. Hey, that's a compliment. Bantor. That's I didn't right. know we did that. We do a lot of bantering. We're uh, bantering right now. Okay. Uh, I, I could use some matzo ball soup, though. I went as much to listen to these men uh, as well as getting a great sandwich on a double rye and hot mustard. You always had a great kosher pickle to go with the sandwich. Oh, I yeah, also, yeah, yeah. I'm I know. hungry. He's, he's, exactly. Not good. <laughs> uh, he goes on to talk about the teaching, and Yiddish word of the day also reminds me of many words that he heard in his youth. And you know what I love about uh, Paul is that we call Paul Lamont Captain Paul, because when we see him on the Jew uh, on our FOI equip classes, um, he's always on his boat. He's on his boat, Steve. He's on his boat in the hull of his whatever it is in his living quarters on his boat, watching classes on our FOI equip classes. He is, so. but his boat is taken in now because it's cold up there in Canada. Mm. Uh, and in fact, um, when when I think of uh, of Paul uh, up there, he. What? How do I? Uh, he has been part of our prayer group with Steve Weir up in Canada since COVID. Yeah, uh, and has been very, very faithful during that time. And uh, we've grown to love Paul. Uh, we're thankful that he is part of our equip, as you said. He has also done uh, the uh, Rob uh, Gottslieg's uh, the Zion. What's it called the cruise? Cruising, oh, yeah, for, cruising Zion. for Zion. That's yeah. right. And so uh, Rob was on his boat, and they went out on Lake Ontario and. Uh, Paul's a great guy. Our he, seventh listener. That's right. Maybe we'll get eight. Hey, write in. You know, you can write in by going to you can write in by going to foiequip.org, uh, and there you'll see a section called "Say Shalom," and you can say shalom to us. Say hello. And write rate in. and comment on our podcast. That's okay. I'm so glad that the marketing director's with us right now, um, Karen. You're as the marketing director. Can you share with us really quick? Uh, I was just telling Steve this morning. I feel like I've failed the podcast because I normally, whenever I listen to a podcast, the 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 hosts always say, "Be sure to rate and comment on our podcast." So I thought we we that's something we need to do. Wouldn't you say, marketing director? Yeah, one of the primary things I'd like to suggest to both of you. <clears throat> <laughs> uh oh, here we go. Like uh, if I, as a director of marketing for the Friends of Israel, if um, 
Like only having seven listeners is not the thing I would be marketing okay. as often as y'all do. Well, three of them don't like us anyway, One, so it's okay. it's because it's not true. I think that this is probably, uh, probably, <laughs> is that was that recorded? This is the most uh, dynamic, interesting, always, always engaging podcast. She's out in there. love with you, Chris. <laughs> No, it's true. And uh, I, I think you have more than seven listeners. I cannot be certain of that, but I'll check your Google Analytics okay, later. Okay, thank you very much. But all that to say, what I was going to say even before you said that is if you're listening right now to the podcast, if you've made it this far, can you just put a, can you just put a thumbs up in the comments? Don't you have to say anything else, just a thumbs up. Did you make it this far into the podcast? And then if you like the podcast... Can you share it on your Facebook page with a thumbs up? You don't have to think of anything clever to say. You don't have to explain it. But if you actually like the podcast, can you share it on your Facebook page with just a thumbs up? Boy, things have improved already with just uh, 10 minutes of her in this room. 10 minutes. You know what? We'll see. We'll see. It, it, well, it's great because we should, if we imagine if we got Karen and Patty together in here, that'd be aye, great. Aye, They'd aye. be promoting this thing all day long. I love it. So this is, okay, this is good. So yes, if you're listening right now and you, especially if you're on Apple podcast, would you rate and comment on the podcast, please let us know what you think. The more that you rate, the more that you comment, the higher we go in the ranks. So if you love the Jew and Gentile podcast, hey, tell people about it so that more can hear and more can be a part but of what Chris, we're doing. But Chris, that segues to you were telling me about one of our particular podcasts gained some traction in all seriousness, and you said you wanted to bring it up. Uh, it relates to ye. Yeah. Well, no, 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 not ye. What you said. Yay! Oh, yay. Yeah, Sorry. that's right. Yay. Yes. See, I'm not good Well, at we're going to have to do another podcast on we'll that. We'll do it, but at least tell the folks. It was It was that we turned one of our podcasts into a, a short, into a, into a uh, like a TikTok reel, uh, a Google, uh, what do they call it, a YouTube short, and a Facebook reel. They're all the same thing, but they're just little short segments of our podcast that you can digest as you're going through Facebook. And so uh, one of the ones on Facebook that got a ton of traction was the one where we talked about the fact that what Kanye West said about the Jewish people was very similar to the way uh, uh, Haman commented on the Jewish people to uh, King uh, to the uh, Persian king. Um, and uh, and so uh, anyway, it gained a lot of traction. And there are a lot of people that disagree with what we say. So we want to make sure that we highlight those. And we should talk about that next time. We will. But we've got a, we've got a short amount of time because you and I have a meeting soon. And then we also uh, have a lot to talk about because it is Thanksgiving. Did you want to go to? Did you know? Or did you want to start with the history of the? Well, uh, we could. We could first go to, did you know? Did we, we, you know? Emily Stone, I hope she likes us. She doesn't even know who we are. She's like, like why am I getting more I know we've sold at books. least two books so far. We've yep. sold two of her books so far. Emily Stone, I, we just love the name, did you know? And for Sukkot, there's a lot she wrote on, on the feast, but I'd like to read just the first line because we're going to talk about Thanksgiving and, of course, we didn't invent Thanksgiving. The pilgrims didn't invent Thanksgiving. God invented mm. Thanksgiving. And here's what it says. Sukkot is a biblical feast day. I'm, we might add Leviticus 23 when we went through the whole book of Leviticus, a long, what seems like a long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, the feast day that celebrates the harvest and thusly all other related forms of nature's transient, fertile, and abundant bounty— that's from Did You Know? Did You and Know? And so Sukkot is a Thanksgiving 
holiday. It has all kinds of other implications, Chris, as we know, especially prophetically. Uh, but it's uh, it's Jewish camping. Mm-hmm. Sukkot is Jewish camping. <laughs> Your favorite thing to do, right? Our favorite thing to do. Our, but you did it for 40 years. For, why do it that's again? That's why I go to uh, the Hampton Inn. <laughs> that's exactly why I well, go to the Hampton Inn. Can I say, too, because um, on the radio program for the Friends of Israel today, I just did a whole bit on the fact that the, when the pilgrims came over, uh, they saw themselves as Israelites. When they came over, they, uh, first of all, uh, they considered England like Egypt. They co- considered the king like Pharaoh. They were the e- they were the Israelites, and the Atlantic Ocean was the Red Sea. And they were crossing over, and they were coming to a new land, a promised land. And apparently, a lot of them had Hebrew names, and they were even considering making the official language of the colonies Hebrew. And so, a, a lot of scholars tend to look at what was going on with the origins of Thanksgiving, and they believe that as they were reading Leviticus and Deuteronomy. They saw the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot as the as the basis for them to give thanks to the uh, God. It's a it's a harvest festival. It's a time to say thank you. God provides. God has continu- provided for them in the past and continues to provide for them. So it's a day to say thank you. So there's a lot of scholars that connect, like you said, Sukkot with Thanksgiving, even as the pilgrims were creating it. And you know, it's interesting. I'll- Today, there are people in America who don't know the roots of Thanksgiving. If you ask them, oh, Thanksgiving, what does Thanksgiving mean to you? It means turkey. It means football. Mm -hmm. It means family. Uh, They'll say things like that, but they won't say it means Thanksgiving. It means gratitude. They, They don't they don't associate it with. It's not their fault. Football. And to, that's right. And today there's controversy about Thanksgiving uh, and its roots because it involves the indigenous people that lived here and these white uh, Anglo-Saxons came over the water and uh, took out the Indians. Mm-hmm. And so there's great debate. We're going to talk about that debate, but I want to give just some of the basis for what traditionally. Uh, at least when I was in school, Chris, uh, Karen, I don't know what you learned down in Florida when you were in school about Thanksgiving. I think it's different today. I, oh, yeah. I think it's different in your day, my day, and what the kids hear today, even though, and we, we struggle with this with the Bible, there's one truth. Uh, you could have a lot of applications, but the, the Bible is a narrative of things that actually happen. Yeah. Uh, we believe those things that actually happened were God-inspired, they're true, uh, and they are truth. Uh, and so we have what we would say objective truth in the Bible. I think history can be certainly interpreted, but events happen, and they are literal. They happen. And so we're going to talk a little bit about it and see a, a problem uh, of interpreting this or how we look at it and it goes to the Wall Street Journal. We'll we'll talk about that, Chris, a little later. But so Thanksgiving takes place November twenty fourth on Thursday. Uh, we're tape recording this podcast on Tuesday morning. Uh, and in sixteen twenty one, the Plymouth colonists uh, got here to uh, well here to the United States up northeast, uh, and they met with a uh, an Indian tribe, Wap, the Wapanogs, and they uh, had a autumn feast. And that was considered the first Thanksgiving. You fast forward to the Civil War in 1863, 
And President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed the first national Thanksgiving right, yeah. Day. And so what exactly happened? Well, you described the pilgrims leaving, which they did in September of 1620. There were 102 passengers. Uh, they left because they wanted to freely practice their faith. Chris, this is the foundation of what Thanksgiving historically is. Yeah. Uh, the, and it's a foundation of America as well. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead on you here, but no, go right ahead. I mean, it's religious freedom. I mean, people don't realize it today. We try to, you know, hide the idea of religious freedom in the in the political climate that we live in. Um, but uh, it's the reason that we exist today. Uh, it's it's these these men and women bravely crossed the Atlantic Ocean because they were tired of the tyranny of the Anglican Church and the King. They believed they were corrupt. Uh, and uh, they, you know, the 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 pilgrims thought that the ch the Church of England was corrupt and uh, needed reform, and they didn't want, you know, they didn't feel like there was any change coming. So they got on a boat and they went to a place and where the they... boat they got on wasn't the Queen Mary. No, uh, it it was a sixty six day journey, a hundred and two people on board, and within the first, it, they got there. Uh, up in Massachusetts, 66 days. Then it took another 30 days where they got to Plymouth in, in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the first winter, half of them were dead. Mm. Half of them were dead. And it was difficult. They had exposure, scurvy. Uh, they had all kinds of diseases. Uh, but they came because of religious freedom. And what's interesting uh, is an Indian uh, named Squanto who actually was captured by a, a group sold into slavery and ended up in London, learned English, came back, and he was the one that helped the early pilgrims. He taught them how to cultivate corn, extract sap from maple trees, catch fish in the rivers, and according to the, uh, the, the story of Thanksgiving, uh, these pilgrims had a 50-year relationship with these Indians. But in November of 1621, William Bradford, who was the acting governor of the group, uh, met Chief Massasoit, who was the chief of uh, the Wampanoags, and they had the first Thanksgiving. The Indians went hunted, they brought deer, they had a three-day festival. Mm. There was uh, a sharing uh really sharing more from the Indians' point of view, sharing with them, <laughs> right. than what the pilgrims had. But nonetheless, uh, and there's all kinds of history about it. You can read uh, ca uh, catalog journals of the early pilgrims and what the Indians did for them. It was very positive. Uh, Karen, do you remember hearing about Thanksgiving at all in uh, in school? Was yeah. was your view of Indians negative, positive, neutral, Uh do you recall any of that? I well, I know that as a child, I just thought it was so fun—the whole pilgrims and Indians thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, there was no negative um, story to it. It wasn't until I was an adult that I started hearing a different mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. How about yeah, you, because Chris? what well, they teach in New Jersey? Well, I mean, the same thing. I, do you? I mean, I remember you'd wear, you'd make the hats that were like the pilgrims' hats that were black with the little gold belt on it, and then you'd, there'd be some of the Indian people with the with the head garb. But we all wore it equally. It wasn't like one was better than the other. It was the idea that the two groups were coming together to give thanks. That's the way I grew up 
in in learning about uh, Thanksgiving. But I remember specifically making the head garb and the little hats and whatnot. Did you take your shirt off like a good uh, New Jersey? And, and <laughs> Did you, Chris? Come on, Chris. No. Did you take your shirt off? You, no. work, you work outdoors with no shirt all the time. You're like oh, a native of America. Dear. Well, well, oh, this dear. is a whole conversation that's for another podcast where Steve... Uh, Ladies, can I just interject real quick since it's my anniversary? <laughs> There's always going to be things about your husband that are just funky. Oh, it's so, horrible. So just as my mom always says, just focus on the, the 95%. <laughs> that's good about him. The, the other, there's no perfect person. When it's hot out, I'm not people. I'm not out there when it's free. It's I'm talking about like when it's hot outside. You're outside doing. Put work. a shirt on. Oh, gosh. Okay. Now all everybody right, knows. But, uh, TMI. Too much information. All right, all right. But the idea of Thanksgiving permeated our country. George Washington uh, and the American Revolution, the Continental Congress, uh, they designated several days, different times, uh, for a Thanksgiving proclamation by the government of the United States, and he called upon Americans to express their gratitude for the happy conclusion to the country's war of independence and successful ratification of the U.S. Constitution. Again, that's rooted in the first Thanksgiving, the idea of giving thanks, which is rooted in the Bible. We're going to talk about some verses. But then in 1817, New York became the first of several states to adopt an annual Thanksgiving. And then Sarah Josepha Hale. I don't know if you've ever heard that Never name. Never heard that name before. I hadn't heard of it either. But have you ever heard of Mary Had a Little Lamb? Yes. She's the writer of Mary wow. Had a Little Lamb. And she had 36 years. She uh, worked and published editorials, sent scores of letters to governors and senators and presidents in order to have a national Thanksgiving recognized. She is called the mother of Thanksgiving. Oh, really? I never, I never knew, knew that. that. Uh, and so Abraham Lincoln, I think this is the way the articles, Abraham Lincoln finally heeded her request. I think enough already. <laughs> enough already. That's right. 36 years, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> we'll give it to you. It's, it's going to happen. And so uh, he proclaimed... The final Thursday in November to be Thanksgiving. Now, fast forward to 1939, and it's interesting, uh, our country and where we're at. There's a man by the name of Franklin D. Roosevelt, the president of the United States, wanted to move it from the fourth week to the third week. And his reason is because of the Depression we need a week more for people to spend money. Oh, you're kidding. People rebelled against it, and it was moved back to the fourth uh, Thursday of the month. So it did happen for a time then. One year. Really? In 1939, Franklin moved it. And you know what they called it? <laughs> Roosevelt's plan, known derisively as Franksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Franksgiving. Franksgiving. So today, what has Thanksgiving become? Well, I could tell you. That 90% of Americans will be eating turkey this Thursday. Yeah. 90%. That's a lot of turkeys. Uh, they're going to eat it roasted, baked, or deep fried. Now, here on the East Coast, Chris, my wife, for the first time, we've been here in Pennsylvania for 20, almost 26 years, uh, there is a, a store, a little convenience place called Wawa, and they mm -hmm. have a the gobbler, gobbler. gobbler. A gobbler. <clears throat> Did well, you have the gobbler, Karen? 
No, but I'm all, I know all about oh, it. Oh, boy. <laughs> I've learned about it here at Friends of Israel from the New Jersey people here yep. who get up. Uh, they They're crazy said, about the it. The gobbler is here. It's only for a few weeks. So I bought one for my wife last week, and you know what she That's said? That's the one with the turkey and the stuffing stuffed into a yogi. together. Oh, yeah. Every, oh, yeah. oh and it's got the it's got the cranberries, cranberries every the potato, everything is mushed together into a into a roll, into a roll or a bowl. So I oh, got my bowl. wife the bowl, and here's what she said: You know, let's forget about the turkey Seriously. and all that. Let's just forget go to it. Wawa and buy everybody one of these. She loves them. Oh, really? Oh, yes. I haven't uh, everything together. I don't like things. Mushed Would together. you do it, Karen? No. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Yeah. What's your favorite Thanksgiving side, or what's your favorite food on Thanksgiving Day? Oh, my favorite thing to do is to eat the wings of the turkey. Ooh. Oh, I've never heard that before. Never that heard is, that yeah. Before. That's oh, unique. I'm a wing it, and crispy. They gotta be crispy. They gotta crunch. Okay, I'm into that. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm a sucker for stuffing. So, and I know some of people they don't call it stuffing in the South. It's called dressing. Yep. I think there's a difference. I think if it's stuffed in the bird, it's called stuffing. If you make it on the side without being in the bird, it's called a dressing. But I think most people in the South call it dressing. So I like. I like. Dressing or stuffing, that's my favorite. But the, I think the point of all this is that, look, when people gather for Thanksgiving, I hope they have an idea, as Americans, if you're an American celebrating Thanksgiving, our Canadian friends celebrate Thanksgiving in October, uh, but the idea is Thanksgiving, being thankful. Who were the pilgrims thankful to? Mm. Or They were thankful for what they had, the bounty that they had for the Lord's provision for them, and they were thankful to him. Mm -hmm. And so, Chris, there's. I just looked up some verses for myself, basically. I want to share them, but for myself. And it's easy to do. You just Google Thanksgiving uh, Bible verses. And there's some You're really a scholar. Oh. You're a scholar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Google man. Google Thanksgiving. There you go. That's exactly it has, right. It has come down to that, though. Uh, that is, I, I, I have to admit, I've done that plenty of times. Look, so. I don't mind admitting that. It does the work for you. And look, it gets a printout, and you could end up... This is really... For me, it was really helpful. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus in you. This hmm. is Thanksgiving. That forget the turkey or whether it's a gobbler or you're not into it. I know I I met a, a young couple. They're having roast beef. Forget the bird. Oh, fine. Whatever you want. Who are we giving thanks to, and what are we thankful for? Uh, well, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and he said, "All circumstances." Yeah, that's a rough one, Chris. That's a rough one because there are people who'll be sitting at Thanksgiving. Uh, they might have the food and and all that, but they've got other news in their family or themselves, and things are difficult. Or maybe they're alone too. I mean, or maybe yeah. they're alone. Uh, but the Bible the Bible doesn't talk about that. Give in all circumstances. And so when that th those pilgrims left with 102 people, and within a year they half of them were dead, and they had diseases and sickness. Uh, it was a terrible winter. They were thankful. Hmm. And just their willingness to leave what they had 
leave what they had. That what they at least had a stable society. Yeah, you don't uh, real. You don't think. I mean, we think about the fact that they set sail uh, and they come over here and they start something new. When we think about on the that, Queen Mary coming to the Hampton Inn. Yep, uh, they, they were. They had no idea what was going to happen. Yep, and probably I think I think the mature ones knew they might not survive. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, but the, you have some other verses I too, do. and then I want to share one oh, too. Good. Uh, how about Psalm seven and verse seventeen? I'll I will give to the Lord the thanks due to His righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. And then Ephesians five, and then I'll turn it over to you, Chris. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should be giving thanks, and I hope we do that. Uh, this Thanksgiving, Chris, you have a great verse. Well, I want to I want to share two really quick. The first is the idea of th- the first time the word thanks is used in the Bible is actually Leviticus chapter seven. The word for thanks, and we all know this here, working for friends of Israel and have gone to Israel, is toda. Toda means thank you. Uh, if you really want to say thank you in Hebrew, you say toda rabah. Thank you very much. And so the first time you say you see thanks in the Bible, it's not in Genesis. There's no thanks in Genesis. There's no thank you in uh, in Exodus. It's the first time we see it is in Leviticus when God says, "If you want to say thank you to me, then you bring this offering." It's called a thanks offering, a toda offering, and it's the first time. And then you know what I love about the toda offering is that most offerings in the Old Testament were uh, required. You had to do it. They were required of you. You had to bring a sin offering. You had to bring offerings daily. You had to bring offerings. The thanks offering, the toda offering, was the only offering that was not uh, obligatory. You did. It was all free will, which I think shows that God wants to have a relationship with you. You, He doesn't just want you to religiously say thank you. He wants you to say thank you from the heart. And the thing I love about it is it involves food because it's a fellowship offering, which means just like we eat a turkey in the Thanksgiving offering, you, you would give a lamb, a goat, or whatever. And you know what I love about it? You had to eat the whole thing before the end of the day. And I always think about the fact that we'll, we'll, we'll the have— The first buffet— the first buffet, that's exactly right. And the amazing thing is, you know, you have all these, you have an 18-pound turkey, you feed a bunch of people, and you always have leftovers. There's always leftover turkey. Uh, you know, you plan for your turkey sandwiches and your turkey tetrazzini, one of uh, Karen's favorite meals from her mom growing up after Thanks, l- mm-hmm, leftovers was turkey tetrazzini. But you have all these leftovers, and uh, and but that's from one little bird. Imagine one man bringing a lamb to say thank you to God. He's got to eat that whole thing. Before the end of the day, well, that's be- the, what the the point was: is you would share, you would share the lamb with strangers. You'd bring bread along, and people knew that you were saying thank you to God. And so, in saying thanks to God, God let you bless other people to give Him the glory, which I love. But then there's also this great passage in um, that's the thanks offering. But then in Jeremiah 33, with there, you know the thanks, the idea of giving thanks is even found in prophecy in Jeremiah 33. It says this, that in the future, in Jeremiah 33, uh, verse 11, um, it says this, the sounds of joy and gladness, this is talking about the future, when Jesus will reign on earth, the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and, and the bridegroom, the voices of those that bring thank offerings, toda offerings, to the house of the Lord, saying, give thanks to the Lord Almighty, 
for the Lord is good, his love endures forever, which means we'll bring thanks. We'll be saying thank you to God all the time when Jesus is reigning. And then you know what I found, too, is that the rabbis believe that when the Messianic age comes, this is the rabbis, they believe that all sacrifices will cease but one, and it's the thanksgiving offering. So the idea of Thanksgiving is not just the fact that, uh, you know, it's connected to Sukkot or whatever. I mean, the idea of Judaism, Steve, giving thanks to God is embedded in Judaism, and it's something that we see come across even in the one day that we give thanks as a nation for Thanksgiving, but uh, it's embedded in Judaism to say, thank you, God, for providing, for giving, for sustaining, all of those things. And I think if you look at the history of our country, again, we're going we're gonna to talk a little more about that, but in the history of our country, the controversy of Thanksgiving really isn't a controversy because we've already gone back, starting from the be, before we became a country, there was a concern and a desire for Thanksgiving. When our country was established— uh, there was a proclamation for Thanksgiving. When we were in the midst of strife, of a terrible, awful war uh, over slavery, and uh, one, thank God, where we defeated slavery, uh, there was a desire for Thanksgiving to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today, we still should be doing the same thing, which segues, Chris, yep. into our news. We turned our news this week into not so much on Israel, which we love to do, or or something in the United States. Uh, Hold on, current Steve. event. Our guest has to leave. She's got meetings to go to. Thank you for coming. Oh, well, Karen, thank you. Wait, can I conclude with a thought, though? Yes, oh, of before course. Before you segue to the, to the news, um, did you know that the Friends of Israel has a blog? I do know. Okay, so I just oh, wrote. Did you know? <laughs> did you know? <laughs> so, did you know? <laughs> we did know. I just wrote, I got to write the Thanksgiving blog. It's on um, foi.org slash blog right now. And I think that what the Lord has been teaching me is that the difference and what I see kind of taking over um, at least the internet or the hearts of the people is that there's a lack of uh, a spirit of gratitude. Mm. And so we're all looking to the things that are wrong I feel like that's what's on the internet. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong with everything going on today? Mm-hmm. What, what's your say, your phrase you always say? Is anything okay? Yep. <laughs> yeah. that's right. Oh boy, that's good. <laughs> Is anything okay? Um, but I don't have to look too far to see that there are a couple things that are okay mm-hmm. and that the Lord has given to us. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at the man that married me and my husband, and today we're celebrating 14 years of marriage. So I want to say thank you to you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you. And I'm grateful for the role you've had in his life. And I'm grateful for the way that you've served me and our family for the last 14 years. Thank you. So happy Thanksgiving. Okay. Happy awesome. Thanksgiving. Wow. Wow. Give Karen, a round of applause, even though we can't hear it. There we go. That's there good. You go. Thank you for coming. Director of marketing, taking the time to come and to be with us. She's always welcome back. Always welcome. Anytime. Come and, and come anytime while we're doing it, while we're not doing it, whatever you want, whenever we're podcasting. All right. Bye-bye. No problem. All right. So uh, we're, we're transitioning to the news here. And uh, Steve, uh, go ahead and pick up where you left off. Well, we talked about Thanksgiving, and I did not know that in 1961... The Wall Street Journal ran two editorials at the time, and they've been running them ever since. Uh, Those two editorials, one's called The Desolate 
wilderness. And that's a, a small chronicle taken from William Bradford's journal, uh, where he talks about uh, what they were thinking, what they were doing uh, to come to the New World. And the other is from 1961 itself, uh, talking about the fair land, it's titled. Mm-hmm. And every year the Wall Street Journal has run this, these both, uh, so people get a chance to see and read what the original pilgrims thought about, uh, what William Bradford wrote about that first uh, uh, when they came across, and then the fair land in 1961. So I thought, Chris, uh, I could read a paragraph, and maybe you'd pick up on the desolate wilderness. I'll just start uh, at the beginning. It says, uh, this is the chronicle, uh, well, here beginneth the chronicle of those memorial circumstances of the year 1620 as recorded by Nathaniel Morton, keeper of the records of Plymouth Colony, based on the account of William Bradford, sometime governor thereof. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Record keeping wasn't that great back then. So they left that goodly and pleasant city of Leyden, which had been their resting place for above 11 years, but they knew that they were pilgrims and strangers here below, and looked not much on these things, but lifted up their eyes to heaven their dearest country, where God hath prepared for them a city, Hebrews eleven sixteen, and therein quieted their spirits. Uh, when they came to Death's Haven, they found the ship and all things ready, as such of their friends as could not come with them, followed after them, and sundry came from Amsterdam to see them shipped and to take their leaves of them. One night was spent with little sleep with the most, but with friendly entertainment and Christian discourse, and other real expressions of true Christian love. Chris, you should read Being Now. Being now past the vast ocean and the sea of troubles before them in expectations, they had now no friends to welcome them, no inns to entertain or refresh them, no houses or much less towns to repair unto uh, to seek for succor. And for the season, it was winter, and they that know the winters of the country know that uh, know them to be sharp and violent, subject to cruel and fierce storms, dangerous to travel and to known places, much more to search unknown coasts. If they looked be- behind them, there was a mighty ocean which they had passed, and was now a main bar or gulf to separate them from all civil parts of the world. Now that's recounting what happened in 1620 the, the, the 1620 the pilgrims coming over now we're going to fast forward to 1961 and I, you know what i love about this steve is that we're going to talk in a moment about what people are trying to do to thanksgiving but 1961 was not a pleasant time in our country it either was a difficult time. and this was another um another mainstay for a uh, editorial for the wall street journal written um, as well. And so I thought I'd let you go ahead and take this, because this has to do with Vietnam and Thanksgiving at the same time. That's right. So this is called And the Fair Land. This is indeed a big country, a rich country, in a way no array of figures can measure, and so in a way past belief of those who have not seen it, even those who journey through the northeastern complex into the southern lands, across the central plains, and to its western slopes, can only glimpse a measure of the bounty of America. And a traveler cannot but be struck in his journey by the thought of this country. One day can even be greater America, though many may not know it, is one of the great underdeveloped countries of the world, 
what it reaches for ex exceeds by far what it has grasped. And then uh, you drop down, and it has this paragraph, Chris. His countrymen cannot forget the savage face of war. Too often have they been asked to fight in strange and distant places for no clear purpose they could see and for no accomplishment that they can measure. Their spirits are not quieted by the thought that the good and pleasant bounty that surrounds them can be destroyed in an instant by a single bomb. Yet they find no escape for their survival and comfort now depend on unpredictable strangers in far-off corners of the globe. Now that he's talking about Vietnam War here and yep. the suffering of, uh, of American citizens. How can they turn from melancholy when at home they see young arrayed against old, black against white, neighbor against neighbor, so that they stand in peril of social discord. This is, I mean, this almost feels, it's 1961, and this could be read in 2022. It sure can. Or not despair when they see the cities and countryside are in need of repair, yet find themselves threatened by scarcities of the resources that sustain their way of life. Or when in the face of these challenges, they turn for leadership to men in high places, only to find those men as frail as any of the others. And then near the end, it says, Chris, but we can all remind ourselves that the richness of this country was not born in the resources of the earth, though they be plentiful, but in the men that took its measure. For that reminder is everywhere, in the cities, towns, farms, roads, factories, homes, hospitals, schools that spread everywhere over the wilderness. We can remind ourselves that for all our social discord, we yet remain the longest enduring society of free men, governing themselves without benefit of kings or dictators. Being so, we are the marvel and the mystery of the world, for that enduring liberty is no less a blessing than the abundance of the earth. Mm. These two editorials are fantastic because they speak of two different eras of saying thanks to God for the provisions of the freedom that we have in this country. Um, but Steve, you found these because of uh, an article, um, all of these are on our show notes, where it says that the editorials are popular with readers, the ones we just read to you. They're, they appear over and over again in the Wall Street Journal year after year. Uh, the editorials are popular with readers who tell us they appreciate the sentiments about the hardship and gratitude during what would be a unifying national holiday. For decades, we've run them with nary a discouraging word. But we live in a new era. Yes, we do. Bump, bump, bum. We live in a new era when the left sees nearly everything through the reductive lens of identity politics. It sees much of American history as a racist project that should be erased. This is the motivation of a petition can uh, petition campaign to censor the Pilgrim editorial. And it talks about where this petition is because the left is trying to get the Wall Street Journal to stop running these editorials, which I think opens up the conversation about the fact that I think that the editorials speak for themselves. It does talk about what was happening in 1620. It does talk about the hardships that those people endured to come over and to have religious freedom and to say thank you to God um, for his provision and protection. Uh, and then 1961, to think about all that America had been through since that time, the founding of the country, the Independence War, um, uh, uh, the War of Independence, the World War I, World War II. The Civil War. The, we don't forget oh, yes. the 
Civil, Civil War. War. Thank you. And, and other wars in, in between. Uh, we think about the Korean War, and this is the Vietnam War. And there's a lot of things that uh, America changed a lot between, you know, when the Pilgrims first arrived and between 1961 even. Uh, and yet, the thing that's great about the articles, uh, uh, the editorials, is that they don't hide the reality in 1961 that there was still issues of racism, there was still issues of war, whether or not we should be fighting these wars, there was still issue of uh, social uh, uh, inequalities, all of these issues that were being dealt with at that time and we're still dealing with today, but it didn't stop the editorial writer from going, we should be giving thanks because this is the freest land that's ever existed for such a long period of time. We don't live under the, the oppressive hand of a tyrant. We don't live under the rules of a king that we can't change. We, as free men, have voices, and for that reason, we should give thanks. And yet today, we live in a world where the left is trying to say, no, we don't want you to say those things. And that, in and of itself, is exactly everything that this country uh, 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 stands against. You should have the freedom to run an editorial piece. Go right ahead. It's your freedom of speech. It's your freedom of assembly. It's your freedom of worship. But yet the left is trying to say, no, we want a petition that these editorials be taken down, even though they speak not only to the complexity of Thanksgiving, but also the complexity of what was going on in 1961. It speaks to the issues, but yet at the same time says that there is a unifying component to this country that transcends race, that transcends social economic status, that transcends our identity politics. It transcends all of it. We're all humans, and, we, and we're all cre created by God, and for that reason, we should give thanks. Well, you know, Chris, we started off this podcast talking about context and uh, history as uh, real facts and interpreting them in the context which they happen. Uh, we at Friends of Israel interpret the Bible literally. Mm. Uh, that's why we've come to the conclusion that our founders had that we should be called the Friends of Israel when there was no Israel, because we believe the promises of God in the Bible saying that there would be Israel. And sure enough, uh, 10 years before uh, we Israel became a country, we were named the Friends of Israel. And you know, the early pilgrims, they believed the Bible. Uh, they didn't interpret it exactly the way we did. But no, they thought th they were Israel. They thought they were Israel. But they were willing to leave what they knew to move forward in the name of Jesus Christ. That's right. Uh, they, we, we might not even agree with their premise uh, as far as them being Israel, because uh, I believe only the Jewish people are Israel. <laughs> but nonetheless, they came with the idea of trying to serve God. And when... As you look at the celebration of Thanksgiving, you can see a progression and all the warts of our culture. Our culture, our history has warts, but we try to medicate them and fix them, and they leave scars, and we still move forward. Mm. I would argue today, as a Jewish person, that Jewish people are in better shape than they were when they first came as immigrants. Mm -hmm. There's still anti-Semitism mm -hmm. today. Yeah, but, we highlight that on the podcast all the but time. But most Jewish people love America. American Jews love America because here they can be free. Second largest Jewish population outside of Israel. That's right. And and so and the same. But the places that used to have Jewish people as this as the largest population, Eastern Europe, all of those places. 
there's very little Jewish people compared to what it looked like even 80 years ago. 100%. So it just goes to show how, like you said, uh, Jewish people are attracted to places where there's freedom to express themselves as Jewish people. But even when Abraham Lincoln wanted to establish a national thanksgiving, a national thanksgiving, there was a group of uh, African Americans who were slaves in the South, and we fixed it. It was repaired at the cost of hundreds of thousands of lives. Uh, A war was fought, and it was fought to free to free slaves. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we recognize that. But again, it shouldn't stop us as a country to take a moment and thank God for this country that he has raised up uh, and for the freedom that we have. You know, this Thanksgiving, there won't be just people watching football and eating turkey uh, and spending time with family. I know, Chris, there are Christians and non-Christians who use Thanksgiving as a day to minister to those who don't have a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's all kinds of volunteer programs, etc. So this could be expressed, your Thanksgiving can be expressed any way you want because we're in a free place to do so. And who do we thank? We ought to get on our knees and say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace. Mm. Uh, There's another reason to be thankful, too. And that is our next and our last news article here, which are twin babies. And you and I know twins, Steve, because you have a set of twins. I do. And I have a set of twins. You do. Yeah. That's right. So you have two boys. I have a girl and a boy. And uh, twins are great. Uh, they keep you young. But uh, this one, we're twin babies. At this try, this is Read like a, the headline, well, It's Chris. like a riddle. It's like a riddle. So let's see if our people can understand this. So let's start it off here. Twin babies... We're already 30 years old at birth. Oh, this is a, it's like a it's, riddle. It's hilarious. <laughs> All right, Steve, why don't you give the background to this? Because twin babies were already 30 years old at birth, and it doesn't mean that they were in their mother's womb for 30 years. No, not at all. There's uh, These Oregon twins arrived October 31st and have set a new record for babies born from the oldest embryos, 29 years, 10 months. The parents are named Philip and Philip and Rachel Ridgway. Uh, they already had four kids, but they told the Post, this is the New York Post, they felt called to have more children, and they wanted to help what they call children in need, but they weren't expecting to set a record. <laughs> Philip is a 35-year-old software developer, and his uh, wife uh, is a homemaker, and they went to the NEDC the National Embryo Donation Center, and there they got the embryo that was uh, frozen from April 22nd, 1992. Crazy. So, Chris, what do you think of this? In 1992, I was 10 years old, and probably in in third or fourth grade when these embryos were created. And so um, it's amazing because I know our listeners... I can't see this, and even the people that are um, watching on uh, YouTube or Facebook, um, on our live stream, or in our in our uh, uh, you know on on our video feed. What a picture! But what yeah, a... you have these twins, and it's crazy to think that the embryo was created thirty years ago. Which you and I were having this conversation before we started the podcast, which is the idea that the this means that life 
life. This is this is the these twin babies that we're looking at in these pictures come from the moment that uh, a, a sperm and an egg meet one another and begin to create life. Once you get that 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 cell splits and begins the process of of life. You, you know, they froze it in time there, that embryo. They froze it in time, and these twins 30 years later are born, which means that there's a value to life even early on to the moments of early, you know, conception. And here we are 30 years later looking at these embryos frozen in time as a testimony uh, to, to God's creation, Steve. It's God's creation. And these these are little lives, and they're actually a lot of embryos that are frozen in time. Yep, it says, uh, these embryos were donated to NEDC, a Christian organization that takes embryos free of charge and provides them to couples looking to have children. These are There are caveats. The NEDC will, will but will only offer embryos and subsequent IVF transfers to heterosexual couples married for three years and who complete a home study. Mm. So they have specific requirements, and the idea is they're trying to save lives or advance lives, as it were. These embryos are alive. The the parents uh, can come and adopt them, and then they're born. It's an amazing thing. Didn't you say that there was some... Um, uh Somewhere in here that there were, is it, how many, millions of embryos or something of that nature that have been frozen there, there in were, time? Uh, I, I can't remember exactly the number, and I don't want to over-exaggerate if that's not true. But the idea that there are a lot of these embryos that we know are life, they create life. Some people, according to the article, including evangelical Christians such as the Ridgeways, hold the view that embryos are living beings and many anti-abortion states have enacted personhood bills to protect the rights of embryos. Because of this murky moral ground, many patients who create embryos are reluctant to discard their unused embryos, which has created an embryo storage crisis. NEDC, which is currently holding 6,000 embryos, quotes a study that estimates some 1 million are currently being stored in the United States. Yeah, so I remember you saying, uh, when you were said 6,000, I was like, man, I'm way off. But then it was, there's a million that are there's being There's a million, yeah. at, but this Christian organization has 6,000 of them. To think, I mean, and the idea is that we see firsthand that this is life, that the it these embryos life. were frozen, and what a way to give thanks to think that these two embryos are 30 years old. And they're celebrating their first... <laughs> Thanksgiving. It's like a. It's like a, a. It hurts your brain to think too hard about it. So, Chris, you know this is what makes uh, the Bible and uh, Christian living. Uh, the Bible has implications. It's a. It's a. Our rock, our bedrock, and you have to. We view life through the filter of the scriptures, mm -hmm. and that's what motivated this group to keep those embryos it's the bible it's mm -hmm. jesus christ it's god it's it's an understanding of god as the creator it's this couple who in their life already had four kids and said you know what you and i talking to his wife we we need to pray about this think about this and they go on another adventure where now they've got six kids yep 
And uh, the most unique last two, I think, that there are <laughs> because they've been around for 30 years and yet they're just born. There they are. But you know what? There's a great Yiddish word that we're going to highlight, Steve, as we move into our Yiddish word of the day. Yiddish word of the day, everybody. Uh, you know, I think this Yiddish word, Steve, fits in with what we've been talking about with Thanksgiving. It fits in with the pilgrims who came over to the United States. It fits in with the fact that my wife was sitting here. It fits in with these 30-year-old embryos that are now celebrating their first birthday. Steve, what's the Yiddish word of the day? The Yiddish word for the day is... Beshert. 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 My mother used Beshert all the time. Beshert is what will be, will be. the, destiny. It's destiny. Yep. Beshert. What is Beshert? Is Beshert. Um, what's What's that movie with Michael J. Fox? Uh, that Back that, to the Future. Back to the Future. Yes. That's right. Uh, Beshert to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> Beshert to Beshert. That's right. Uh, there was a movie, Chris, called Stranger Among Us with Melanie Griffith. It takes you to New York. Takes you to the Hasidic community, and the Hasidic people believe there's one Beshert. For each couple, mm-hmm. for, for a two people, man and a woman, you have your beshert. We just saw your beshert. That's what I'm saying. My beshert was here. It was meant to be. She was here, and you could tell it was your beshert. Look at the way she talked about you. You, you felt like a real mensch. I felt like a mensch. You were kvelling. Oh, man, oh, oh were man. You kvelling? I was Look trying to hold smile. it down. That's right. Kvelling, kvelling. All our Yiddish words come in that one uh, one period of time. Because of beshert. That's right. Beshert. So, uh... We wonder, Beshert, was the United States meant to be? Yeah, I do think it was Beshert. And was Israel meant to be? Definitely Beshert. It's God's Beshert. That's right. Israel's God Beshert, and Karen is your Beshert. And, and this podcast is a Beshert. That's right. What uh, will be, will be. I like it. Well, how would your mom say it? Uh, she would say, Steve, it was Beshert. <laughs> Was that if something was going wrong or something right? It doesn't matter. It's Bashir. (laughs) That's great. All right, everybody. Yiddish word of the day is Bashir. I hope that you enjoyed that. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. What a great lesson. Steve, you gave us a lesson on Thanksgiving. What do I know? And we're late for our meeting already. (laughs) We got a meeting we got to get to. People are waiting for us. But hey, thank you so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. Hey, just a fresh reminder. uh, Go to foiequip.org. Gee, we, we forgot to mention, we've got a great class coming up. David Brog, December 1st. I'm walking out, Chris. All right, I'll see you later. David Brog, December 1st, uh, is going to be our guest lecture talking about Christian Zionism, Christian support for Israel. Steve is getting up and getting out of here. we got a lot to do, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. <laughs>